This episode of the Get Fast podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. You are joined, as always, by your host, former Australian Ironman champion, Jared Donnelly, and I am Jordan Donnelly. Before we get into the episode... Just a reminder, if you want to download our Expert Secrets Cheat Sheet, that's a cheat sheet of the very best tips and advice the expert guests on our podcast have said to help you train smarter and race faster, go to getfastpodcast.com. That's getfastpodcast.com. So in this episode, we're asking the question, who's responsible for your success? Is it the coach or is it the athlete? And I want to start off and ask you that question straight away because it could be controversial, but... As always, there's going to be a lot to it, but who's responsible for the success? Is it the coach or is it the athlete? Well, if the athlete does really well, of course the coach is responsible. And if the athlete does poorly, it's the athlete who's <laughs> responsible. So that's the simple answer to that. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So, so no, really, um, it's plainly obvious that both people have to be invested in in getting the success that the athlete really desires. So so the athlete needs to be totally committed to executing everything that's on the program and in the manner and fashion that the coach wants. And the coach has to be on board as well with listening and hearing um, the feedback so that they can make better decisions together as a team. It's a definite team. And the advantages of having an athlete-coach relationship is incredibly powerful. The reason we decided to speak about this topic is because we wanted to talk about the concept of taking ownership for your program and it is a mistake you see often that athletes don't take enough ownership and maybe they put too much responsibility on the coach to try and do it for them. So what mistakes do you see athletes making in regards to this mindset and this lack of ownership? Definitely uh, putting too much trust into the coach that might sound really strange thing to say but the example would be I've had some athletes repeat two sessions in a row because they haven't understood what each day's training program was about two bike sessions in a row Monday's recovery Tuesday is a high intensity session and halfway through the Tuesday they're doing because of a technological glitch training peaks has loaded the same session twice and they've got three quarters of the way through saying i think it's the same as yesterday that's clearly a person who's not invested in their program they're just going through the motions and ticking the box of i've done that session what's next and that wouldn't happen if the person was focusing on exactly what the requirements are each day, each week, each block, each month, so that come race day, I know that I've got 16 weeks worth of Tuesdays where I'm going to be doing some high intensity. And if I started a, an ergo session that was seemed too easy, in the first 10, 15 minutes after the warm-up, I would be going, what's, what's going on here? This is not the session that I'm ne- meant to be doing. So that's an example of someone who's clearly not taking responsibility of their program. They're just ticking boxes. So what do you mean by understanding the requirements of the week and the requirements of the Tuesday sessions? Yeah, so 
if if I give you a map, a road map to follow, and it's got sixteen turns in it, and you just look at the the final destination, I want to go from A to B, but you don't take notice of I'm meant to have turned left back there, and you know because I'm travelling north, I should eventually get to my destination. Well, it, you might end up taking two or three hours longer than you should have if you had followed the the map properly. It's the same example as an athlete who's got a program but but has no detail about what to focus on. So understanding the requirements of the program is knowing what's happening on Monday and not just that I'm going swimming or that I'm going to do an easy ride. What is the swim session? Go into the program, identify that I'm warming up and I'm just doing some 400s today. Um, and what's my time? I'm sitting on, you know, eight minute, four hundred um, total time per per four hundred. What am I doing on as power with my recovery ride? I'm sitting at one hundred and forty watts to one hundred and sixty at ninety RPM. Right, I have that detail. Next day, what am I doing? Oh, okay, this week we've got four by eight minute efforts on the bike at three hundred watts to three twenty. Ah, last week I did. 301, 302, 304, see if I can do 308 or 310 this week. They're things that you can do that are are showing you understand what is the purpose and goal of every session. And that's taking responsibility rather than saying, you know, in the next three weeks I'm doing four by eight ergo sessions and I'll just do my best to get through them and I can't remember what I did week one or week two and week three I'll just do the same. You know, a really invested athlete would say, right, 304, 305 was difficult to achieve. Can I, can I match that from last week and do a little bit better so that I actually get some overload into my body, which is going to improve me as a cyclist? If I do three weeks where I stay the same, but it was at, the, at my limit, that's actually overloading you. If I do three weeks where I was, you know, probably 50, uh, 50% of, of the mid-range instead of 100% or at the bottom of the, of the range. If I'm doing the sessions at the bottom of the range and it's not uncomfortable, then I'm taking the easy way out. I'm, I'm not taking responsibility. When that, you know, the, the athlete has to understand that in, in order to, to get a really good outcome on race day, these are the times when you practice to push yourself. And the coach can only provide that program for you. It's your responsibility as an athlete to understand where you're at in terms of the swim pace, the run pace or the bike power and understand what you did last week or what, what you've done in the past. And, and, you know, great examples of athletes who've done six by 1K repeats over a period of five years and they're still running them at 3.06 pace, which is fantastic pace, but they that they're questioning, or maybe they're not even questioning, I'm still running my 5K race or 10K race at, you know, 3120. I've never beaten that in five years. But in any of your program, have you actually tried to run faster than you have in the previous five years? That sounds logical, doesn't it? Mm. That in order to, simple. To, to get better, you would have to change something in your program and not do the same. So... So understanding the question that you asked, what does understanding the program mean? That's what it means. It means 
It means knowing your numbers so that you can have a mindset or a framework going into the session that this is my goal, okay? Um, 306 1K or 406 or 506 1K reps, whatever, whatever the pace is, know what you've done before, have an expectation of what you're going to do today. I understand sometimes an athlete wants to take that decision making out of it and just let the coach do it all. I don't want to think about it. I just want to turn up and do the session. I do understand that mentality. I could never personally go into a training week and not look at the whole week and know what I'm doing and and get mentally prepared for it, especially the Tuesday-Thursday sessions are really hard. It's like a race. You're mentally preparing for those efforts because they're really tough and I almost need a couple of days just to think about them and kind of prepare for those sessions. Um, I can't imagine rocking up and doing six one Ks without having thought about it beforehand. Well, there's two types of athletes we're describing here. One who's really invested and probably, you know, is is categorized as too serious probably, but but that's the kind of athlete we love. And then there's the other uh, seemingly less um, intense athlete who's just going to rock up and and go through the session and whatever the coach says, I'll do. And that could possibly work for a lot of people, but in my experience, the people who invest in themselves more will get a better outcome. And I, I know for a fact that people like coach have anxiety about some of the Tuesday, Thursday hard sessions. And at the end of the day, you know, you're in charge of, of, of everything about that, your preparation, uh, the meal you have the night before, the sleep you have. So they're all things that you should be practising um, anyway so that so that you are in control of the outcome. So there's a bit of a paradox here. You've said multiple times um, in all other podcasts and videos that we've done that athletes need to trust the process, but at the same time you're saying don't blindly trust the process. So that's... Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the key things is to be 100% on board and and uh, have confidence in in what the program you and your coach have worked out together. So never shy away from that. You need to be 100% on board. And, you know, you need to be flexible with that and be, be willing to discuss changes that you think might benefit yourself. It's your program. You know, the coach is there to guide you. It's your program. So the, the more or less involvement you have could depend on your own personality anyway and we have examples of people who blindly do trust the program and will do whatever I say and not question it and that's absolutely fine Um, and I'm probably giving them more information because they're not asking for it and I'll be saying to them we're doing this so that you can improve this weakness that we have so that come race day this doesn't happen and you know I get the response oh great Um, whereas other people um, just would be questioning almost every session. What are we doing this for? And that's great as well. There's, every personality is different. Um, and for the, from the coaching point of view, I've got to identify what makes people tick. Um, but from an, from an athlete point of view, you know, it's clearly evident to me the people who have more involvement in what's happening and question things and understand their own data get the best outcomes. That, that is just, you know, there's one in ten that is different, but 90% of people get a, better, get a better outcome having that approach to their program and take responsibility 
for their own program. And I certainly, if I wouldn't want to be in a position where I'm unclear about what the expectation is. And if you took an example, if I if I was lining up for six four hundreds on the track as an athlete running, and I didn't know that that was the session today, and the coach says to me, "Right, you're doing six four hundreds at sixty seconds with you know two minute rest," my heart rate would go straight away through the roof, mm. um, and I'd be going right. And instantly I'd be going, how am I going to execute this? I would be having a plan in my head, um, what pace I'm going to run, uh, and, and that's okay, but I would much rather know in advance. Um, and if I'm, if I'm not taking the least amount of interest that it said the program was six 400s, then eight 200s following it, and I just, I just thought uh, 400s, and I didn't look at the whole program, and I ran six 400s at 55, and then, and then the coach says, right, now for the eight 200s. And you go, oh, I didn't know there was 200s in it. And you can't execute the 200s properly because you're so exhausted from running the 400s above the range or at the highest end of the range. So that's an example of how taking no interest can affect the outcome of the session. We had an example here of a professional athlete, professional runner who came on the podcast, Jordan, and he spoke about how he personally doesn't want to know he rocks up to a session, those hard sessions. He knows the rest of his week. He knows his recovery runs, his um, endurance runs, everything. And he knows his own paces. So he definitely knows his own numbers. But in terms of the specifics of a tough session, he doesn't want to know. He just wants his coach to tell him on the day. And their whole group is like that, which we found very surprising. And I guess there's positives <laughs> and negatives to that. The negatives is, like you said, you're not prepared for it. And the coach can just spring on you. And he does, he said this, uh, the coach just springs on them an extra 1,200 or an extra 1K rep when they're just flat out exhausted. But there has to be an advantage in that also and that a race isn't going to go as predictable as possible. So preparing for or practising a challenge when it's unexpected, there's some benefit in that. Absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a great thing to, to be throwing in at, at people. Um, and seeing how they react is also interesting and intriguing because that situation scenario could happen in a race and you've got to expect the unexpected and everything. So, you know, we, we, we really go on a lot about having structure and, and making everything um, uh, organised and ordered. Um, but very few, you know, sports in the world does that happen. Um, there are more predictable sports. Um, and team sports is the most unpredictable. Um, cycling is a very unpredictable sport because everybody makes split decisions, um, you know, depending on what happens in certain situations. There's always a different reaction and you have to be ready and anticipate that. Um, but in the sport of triathlon, it is a very predictable sport. Mm. There are very few things that can actually be a surprise. Of course, a mechanical on the bike is something that's out of your control, but it could be in your control if you put on dud tires that you've had for you know two years and you get a puncture in the race. That's in your control. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you know something you've got everything right, brand new tires, and you still get a puncture, or mm. um, you know the, the chain drops off, or you know, and that could also be bike maintenance. Yeah. There is always, but there's something could go wrong. Yeah. Um, so. So you you still wanna you still wanna keep in mind that it is great to have unpredictable things, and we have one session in our program uh, that is an unpredictable session, and we want people to to race or to to ride hard against hills that 
that appear on a course or um, or to ride a bunch ride that's really got guys who have got egos and are, and are pushing hard. And we want that in our program. We want that unpredictability. But to have that every session, I, I just think, um, as I say, said the example before, you could actually not get the right outcome out of out of the the purpose of that day's program, and throwing in an unpredictable added session uh, section to the program is great. That's a really good idea, so that the, you can see how the athlete can uh, can manage that. And does he lose the plot, or does he sulk? Does he um, just give up? You know, there's so many things you can learn from that example you've given, uh, which I think is valuable. Um, but I'm saying the majority of the time you need to, as a triathlete, because the, the, the event is so predictable that you need to have a good routine pattern. Um, now, the swim's an example. of You could get punched or kicked accidentally and panic can set in. Um, you could overheat in a wetsuit, panic sets in. There's a bad chop, you've swallowed some water, panic sets in. There, there are really real things that happen. It happened to me many times. Um, and it's really being... Uh, prepared to deal with those things and just relax and you know I'm not going to drown I'm a really competent swimmer Um, I might have to lie on my back for for 10 or 20 seconds just to compose myself or take the goggles off because I can't see and clean them and put them back on in the space of an Ironman you've lost 20 seconds you know over 10 hours I don't think it really matters that much Mm. that is one of the the key things that we want to practice in in our program which comes back to taking responsibility is you have control over every aspect of what's happening all day in your race. So you want to have more control in your training sessions as well. Be be used to controlling your training sessions, but be prepared for the unpredictable thing. Um, that That is certainly something that I'm uh, really uh, a, a firm believer in, um, not making everything uh, so structured and regimented that uh, that you are not prepared for the unpre- unpredictable event and like you said specificity to the athlete this is especially prevalent for triathletes because the training should be predictable specific to the race is a lot more predictable for a professional runner like the example we used their whole career is almost based on racing and race tactics and unpredictability every it could be a slow race it could be a fast race it's definitely not going to be predictable so there's a key difference Um, it's a great example and uh, i've always said that uh, most of the world titles championships and the olympics are never run in fast times um, and and you need to have prepared and this is a little contentious thing that I'll say here but um, the early Australian athletes, track and field athletes, the Derek Claytons, the Ron Clarks, De Costellas, Monagetti's um, and there was you know, some Chris Wardlaw, there's some great runners who've, who've really done well internationally, Mottram, you know, um, John Landy, Lloyd, John Landy. Sorry, how could I forget him? Ron yeah. Clark. Um, there's you know just names that are world known names. You know, and we've got some great athletes in Australia now that are really the top of the field in Australia, but they're not internationally uh, well known. Uh, they're not as good as those as those athletes, and and I'm sure it's it's you know it's to do with um, the the certain uh, ways that those athletes trained, you know, and Percy Seri was a classic coach um, that was 
thought to be quite mad in some of the stuff that um, he was getting Ron Clark to do. Um, Herb Elliott, how could I forget Herb Elliott, which is um, his number one athlete who ran the fastest 1,500 metres in 1960, which that record was held in Australia for four decades almost before it was broken. Um, and, you know, that's examples of, of uh, what we're talking about. Um, uh, you know, if, if, you're not, if you're not improving, you need to do something different. And those guys were definitely, uh, the rest of the world was looking at how they were training and trying to emulate that. Um, and you need to be pushing yourself in those training sessions and not just doing repeated things that you've done year after year. You need to be having progressive overload. Even though you could be the best in your country, if you're not the best in the world at what, you, what you're doing, then you need to push yourself further. So, so getting back to a triathlete, um, you know, you don't want to be just the same. You want to extend yourself in every session. So taking responsibility in every session is what we're trying to say here. Um, and I'm using the elite examples mm. where even they need to take responsibility for their outcome. Yeah. And, I mean, you've seen still elite pro triathletes not know their numbers, competing on the world stage, not knowing their numbers. And, I mean, let's go into more detail about knowing your numbers. It's not you said before about in training. You need to be knowing what you did in the intervals in week one, week two, week three, so you can compare. But this leads all the way up to race day into you need to know what your threshold swim, bike and running numbers are so you can race to them and you know what's what's going to you can sustain and what you can't sustain. Yeah, and and obviously as a swimmer, let's just go through as a swimmer in on race day, you're either a forty eight minute swimmer or you're a one oh two swimmer. And if you wanted to start with the forty eight minute swimmers how long do you think you're going to sustain that before your heart rate goes through the roof and your arms end up full of lactate and you swim a 108 just because your competitiveness caused you to start with the 48-minute swimmer over, I'm talking 3.8K. Yeah, yeah. If you're a 240 marathon runner and the guys on the start line are all 208, 210, 212, and you start the first 5K with them, and you can keep up with them because you're a reasonably competent runner, mm. and you end up running 305 because you ran the first 5K at 3, 2-minute K pace, which is what a 208 runner, 210 runner, 212 runner <laughs> will do. That's an example of just a catastrophe. Yeah. Extreme examples. Extreme, no yeah. yeah. But, but that's that's what we're we're talking about here. It just it sounds so obvious mm. that that uh, knowing and understanding your numbers, and you know, I've been told by many pro triathletes, no, no, you don't, you don't worry about any of any of your numbers on the bike or on the run. Uh, if the race is going up the road, you need to be a part of that pack, and that's absolutely true to a point. But if you look down and your FTP is three hundred and fifty and you've ridden the last 25 minutes at 360, 370, how much longer do you think you're going to be able to, to ride in that bunch for? And I say bunch in a triathlon. It's <laughs> not, not meant to be a bunch, but that pace line that is, you know, possibly a kilometre long, um, you know, you're not going to be able to run because you've blown yourself up on the bike. Mm. So that's that's another example of 
your ambition and ability, which we talk about a lot, being confused. You want to be with the leaders. You you know, the race is up the road. But at this stage, if, if you actually analyse the numbers, um, you know, you're going to, over five hours, you're probably, instead of riding a 420 bike or a 430, you may end up with a 445, 450 and run horribly. So by by making that decision to join the elite riders that you're not at that level yet, you're better off riding your own pace and ended up with a better Ironman time yep. and live to fight another day, understanding and taking responsibility for your numbers. And that trickles all the way down from elite to the age grouper to the beginner or the, the middle of the pack uh, person who's just trying to do a PB. If you start doing someone else's race and disregard your numbers, then you're going to have a poor outcome at the end of the day. And I've done it myself. So it is a very disappointing. I've done it on the highest stage at, at Kona where I've actually followed someone else's pace because I was shocked that they could actually catch me and they've never caught me in any bike ride before. And it made me change my effort to to match the effort they were doing. And I've told this story many times. At the end of the bike, they weren't running. I didn't know that. Mm. But they were just going for a flat-out swim bike and didn't, didn't end up running. And how foolish did I feel when I actually could hardly run because I'd ridden 20% above what I should have been on race day. Yeah, well, that is powerful. Um, when you think about mistakes that athletes make in terms of trusting the coach too much something that comes to mind on this is when they rely on you to tell them what their numbers are they come to race day you're not there racing with them yeah this is my biggest bugbear is if i'm saying and i've done this a few times when we've had some group rides and um early on in my coaching career which is you know back in the 80s when we had no data so there was really you know, it was really going by feel. So the coach had less influence. Um, you could give up a training program. Um, on the on the bike, you really couldn't work out too much detail. As a runner, you could always get the average pace per kilometre. That was always available yep. um, as a swimmer. But, but certainly uh, going to a, a ride where I've stood and talked to people and said, okay, we're going to do a 20-minute uh, uh, climb here. Um, I want it to be your best effort. And... And looking around the group of 12 people, um, you know, picking out one person, what's your last best 20-minute effort on a hill? And them just blankly looking at me going, I have no idea. And then I'll point to the next person, I'm not going to name names, <laughs> and they'll say, I did 306 watts four weeks ago on this climb, and I'm really determined to do 310. And there's two examples of, of someone who's totally across everything they're doing and the other person's going, I have no idea what I did last time. And what do you think is going to happen? The person who has no idea what number to start at is possibly going to ride with the other person who's totally organised because he seems like he knows what he's doing. So I'll just follow him and I can normally keep up with him anyway. And they're actually relying on someone else's pacing to, to get the outcome. And they may well beat that person or or match them but they've they've relied on that person being a healthy and fit on the day and able to run or ride to those numbers and that's happened to you mm. in an 800 meter run where we knew that 
one of your competitors, who happened to be your cousin, mm. could run under two minutes for 800 and you were trying so hard to get that elusive 159, 800 metre mark and you'd run under 201 five times, mm. not, not run under two minutes. And all you had to do was stick with Angus because he's run a 157 and that was the plan that day, yet we didn't know that he was sick mm. and he actually ran poorly that day and didn't break Mm. two minutes and you put your faith in basically following his race and that's a a great example of uh you know not trusting your own uh performance almost uh, your own numbers your own data and putting your race in someone else's hands Mm. and that um that leads us to kind of the last point of not getting influenced or swayed by external factors and, and external factors being other people, um, group riding, bunch riding, not letting your program get derailed because you get pressured into doing something that's not part of your program. And we have mentioned this many times and all the athletes I coach, they don't even brace this with me anymore because <laughs> they know. Um, and I'll, if someone rings me and says, oh, there's, you know, there's a group ride going on Sunday and it looks like it's going to be an easy ride and we're only going for a couple of hours. Is it okay if I join in? Um, and and I'll, I'll say, of course, um, as long as you get the outcome of what the session we've planned for you is. Um, and if it turns into something else, then are you strong enough to let those people go? Because you've done that session the day before, which is your endurance ride with unpredictable high-intensity aspects where you're allowed to ride as hard as you like. And yep. if someone's, someone's pushing the pace, then you can match it. But to do that the next day, I'm just going to put the onus back on you. And, you know, 50% of the, the, the riders will say, oh, I felt good, so um, I went ahead and, and just joined in and, and I ended up doing two hard rides in a row. and then. Uh, Tuesday I'll get a phone call saying oh, I don't know what happened Tuesday I could hardly hit those numbers on the Tuesday session um, I'm not sure what's going on and you know you don't have to be blind Freddy to understand that that you know what you did on Sunday could possibly affect Tuesday and then Wednesday and mm. then Thursday but it may not affect that and you may get away with it but doing that repeatedly is going to be self-sabotage um, and it's doing a version of the program and I'm all for having flexibility, um, but as long as it fits into the structure, you, you know what the aim and goals are of each day. So well, you should know that's taking yeah, responsibility. And, and, the, and that's the question I, I ask the person straight away is, well, you know, as long as, it's a, as long as it's what you say it is, an easy ride, then go for it. Um, but the minute it doesn't, and you know, we've all experienced it where people go, oh, yeah, we'll just go and have an easy ride, and all of a sudden someone rides off. And the human nature and competitiveness, even myself, I would be going, oh, I'm not going to let them go Mm. up the road, so I'll chase. And all of a sudden, the whole bunch is chasing and the ride turns out to be flat out, you know, ego ride that it wasn't supposed to be that everybody agreed to. Um, So they're just examples of real life things that happen. Um, You might decide to go for a run with someone who's, really good runner and they're just saying it's look it's going to be easy um and i'm meant to be doing a recovery run and you end up doing a pb on that day which is fantastic but 
that's not the day for that. You might have to restructure your whole program now around getting a recovery somewhere else. So mm. you are actually affecting the, the, the decisions you make um, in your sessions affect what happens down the track. Yeah. And granted, when you're a beginner, a lot of this stuff is harder to manage, own, owning your own numbers, remembering it all, getting used to just even seeing numbers and data. If you've never used it before, it is hard, but we know that we there's more leeway maybe at the start to <laughs> fix these kind of things, but by the time your race comes, your success in the race is your responsibility. The sooner you can grasp this, the better. If you've got a 30-week program or a 50-week program or a 20-week program, that's your campaign. If you only grasp that in a 20-week program at week 12, you've pretty much trained blindly for 12 weeks, in my opinion, and you've done an eight-week program where you've been on the ball. So I'm telling you, whether you're a beginner or an elite, and there are elite people who don't know their numbers, as we've discussed, and whether you're an intermediate beginner or elite, you need to understand, after your initial test at the start of your campaign, what all your numbers are, swim, bike and run. You need to know that. And as a cyclist, you need to know that as well, what your FTP is. As a marathon runner, you need to know what your capabilities are per kilometre pace for every session you're doing. As a swimmer, you need to know what pace you can swim at. So if you disregard that at all, then you're compromising your program, which will compromise the outcome of your race day. So that's the important thing, the message we're trying to get across here is taking more responsibility and understanding everything you can about the information that you need to train and race to is going to make you so much more confident on race day and be able to execute your race plan on race day because you're so into every single detail about what's happening around you. You've spent that much money and that much time, time and money are the two key things that we as humans base our existence around. How much time is that going to take me? Mm. Uh, if it takes too long, I'm not doing it. How much money does it cost me? If it's too expensive, I'm not doing it. So you've already invested time and money. Why not make the most of it and do it properly? Yep. half ass doing things is one of the biggest things that I get frustrated with because people have already invested in paying a coach. They've invested in the equipment. They've invested in the race accommodation travel you know don't go there underprepared that's wasted all that time and money and frustrated the people around you who've seen you go through highs and lows of um of motivation and and uh grumpiness um you know you're not just affecting yourself you're affecting other people around you so if you're making this commitment to, to select a goal then i think you need to take on board some sort of responsibility about the process and to say that I'd rather leave it all to my coach, I think is deflecting um, and it's easy come race day. Oh, I don't think my coach was very good. I didn't get the outcome I wanted. Well, you know, everybody needs to take responsibility. The coach definitely has responsibility for your outcome. The athlete has equally, if not more, responsibility. And the coach can only direct. The, ac the athlete has to actually execute the sessions and the race. And I've said many times, you're well prepared, you should be confident, you know all your information, you know all your data, you've got a race plan, the next step is up to you. Think about that all day long, you're in charge of the outcome. And, you know, that's, there can't be any more plain of truth. And once, if you, if you think about that now at the start of your campaign, then 
if I'm going to be responsible on race day for executing executing some inf- uh, some some race day strategies, I'm going to make sure from day one that I take in all the information that's given to me. If come an exam at the end of VCE, I'm responsible for the answers. I'm going to take more in uh, um, interest in the session from day one in biology yeah. all the way through to the biology exam. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to finish. That's a um, big episode on taking responsibility and I think that last five minutes really sums up in clear fashion the, the fact that it is a shared responsibility. Um, but if you've got a good coach and you've got a good program, then the execution can be easy if you if you own it. And, and it's a... It's a a fantastic experience, and I've told you so many stories, and I get emotional about it. How, how fantastic the the day is when the athlete gets the achievement that he wants, and the coach has a, is a part of that success. It's the athlete actually executing, which which makes the coach so proud of what he's done, um, the athlete what he's done, and it's really fulfilling from the coach's point of view as well because you've enabled that person to have a really good program. Um, you've gone on the journey with them and you experience the highs and lows and come race day when they actually execute well, it's one of the best days. It's like experiencing that with your child, succeeding in you know, being able to do a handstand finally or ride a bike without crashing. You know, there's There's so many good things about that and that's why having a great relationship where both of you are invested equally is going to get a really good outcome great that's it for this episode thanks very much for listening as always if you want to get our expert secrets cheat sheet and that's a cheat sheet that gives you the best tips and advice to train smarter and race faster go to getfastpodcast.com and if you want help with goal setting if you want help with your programming the best ways to get on our email list you can go to our website travelocoaching.com.au to check out our programs otherwise go to getfastpodcast.com you will get onto our email subscription and we email weekly and that's the best way to see our programs. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.